The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. Well, this Sunday morning on Riviera Radio, we're joined by Rob and also James, and we've received a lot of questions to the portal. It happens, it goes viral at times. Uh, Riviera Radio at BlevinsFranks.com is that. How are you doing, Rob? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself, Howard? Yeah, yeah, busy, which is great. It seems about dying intestate and the need to have a will is something that people perhaps put on the back burner. We're always sensitive to listeners' questions, and so lots have been about this issue this past week. I'd like to understand the problem. However, before we focus on dying intestate, what caught your eye in the news this week? Well, I would... um Locals, especially those who have to travel into the Principality of Monaco every day by train, are acclimatised to the difficulties and challenges rail travel along the Riviera presents. But this week, Eurostar voiced its concerns about what they described as significant delays and cancellations due to passenger processing requirements when the new entry and exit border system um, is introduced in October. The port of Dover then waded into the debate, saying the system is still far from ready, and in the worst-case scenario, it could result in 14-hour delays at the port. The main concern seems to be that the EES system is designed for airports, not for city centre, space-constrained terminals such as places like St Pancras Station. Eurostar's 14 trains transports up to 12,000 passengers a day under the channel, so it will be a real problem if they don't sort it out. Concerns about the EES challenges were also heightened when the European Parliament and the European Council reached a provisional agreement over reforms to the Schengen Free Movement Zone, which will tighten Schengen border checks for entry into and around the EU in the event of emergency health and other situations. The reforms will allow Member States more flexibility in managing their borders. This includes limiting the number of border crossings or their opening hours to combat mass migration. Member States can introduce immediate border controls for one to three months or controls for a period of six months to two years. The reforms will authorise the return of illegal non-EU nationals from border areas back to the Member States from where they arrived and a hard external border in the event of a health crisis. Now the farmers' protest seems for the moment to have died down. One of their main demands was for the absolute application of the e-gallim law. The farmers chose to demonstrate their grievances directly with the public rather than in court or during negotiations with distributors. As we all know, the government then capitulated and proposed the tightening of the law to tip the scales more in favour of the farmers, allowing them to wait for prices to be renegotiated before agreeing to supply supermarkets. But what is e-gallim? President Macron introduced the e-gallim law in 2018 to help protect the farmers and the environment from competition between France's powerful supermarket change. The law forces distributors to sell food at at least 10% more than what they paid for it, which is meant to ensure producers are not forced to succumb to market pressure and sell their goods cheaply. In years with a good harvest, food should be cheaper, while in poor years, farmers should still see a profit. But one of the negative consequences of this law is French food prices are and will be around 15% higher than the European average. And finally, Howard, as we brace ourselves for the half-term influx of British tourists to the region, maybe because there's so little snow in the Alps, I was shocked to learn that if you travel across the channel by Eurostar, then drive down through France, stopping off for one night en route, 
The cost of the journey from Dover to Nice is now around £913. This cost assumes travellers use the French Auto route from north to south, and after the recent 3% road toll increase, the toll road costs alone now amount to over £200. With the return trip costing over £1,800, it doesn't feel like a cheap way to go on holiday, and holidaymakers also need to understand the array of vehicle restri- restrictions. And if they don't display a crit earth sticker, they can also be hit with another £640 in fines. Yes, I saw recently the SUVs uh, having their parking costs tripled in Paris. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> so, yes. So these things go along, don't they? They do. Well, Rob, intestate sounds quite painful. What is it? <laughs> yeah, it certainly can be heard, especially if you if you think you're going to get a windfall when somebody dies, but then they don't make a will. When a person dies without leaving a valid will, their property, what's known as their estate, must be shared according to the rules of intestacy. A person who dies without leaving a will is intestate. Only married or civil partners and close relatives can inherit under the rules of intestacy. If someone makes a will, but it's not legally valid, the rules of intestacy decide how the estate will be shared, not the wishes expressed by the invalid will. So yes, being intestate can frequently be very painful. Why is this grabbing the headlines now? Why does that, why does any news grab the headlines, to be honest with you? Apart from the big breaking stories which command the front pages and their, and their time in the limelight, most news is just news, but it's, it's just a filler in a lot of occasions. That doesn't mean in the right circumstances it's not important, but frequently it's driven by what the journalists can find that will grab their audience's attention. And yes, at the moment, wills and intestacy are issues that are making waves. But they're not new news or new waves or a new story. About half the UK adult population do not have a will. And if we die without a will, or our will is incorrectly written, not been properly signed, or witness the laws of intestacy will dictate who inherits our possessions when, as Hamlet said, we shuffle off this mortal coil. The thing Abraham Lincoln, Pablo Picasso and Jimi Hendrix had in common, or have in common, is that they all died without a will, and what they left behind was a proper mess. Lots of water has passed under the bridge since those disparate gentlemen left us, but unfortunately millions of us are heading in the same direction. One school of thought attributed this problem to intestacy rules not reflecting modern living arrangements. Personally, I think that's just an excuse. It's too easy to blame the system or someone else when all we need to do is face facts, pull our heads out of the sand and wake up to the fact that none of us are immortal. We all die, and unless we want to leave a Jimi Hendrix mess and also a large legal bill for someone else, we need to make a will or wills. Now, failing to leave post-death instructions can cause stress, family disputes and frequently court action that lasts for years. A will ensures you have certainty and control over what happens to your estate when you die, including who manages your wishes, how assets are divided and who pays any surprise inheritance tax bills. In estate planning is especially important for couples who are not married or in civil partnerships and in those but are now described as blended families, where parents have remarried and there are children from previous relationships. Another reason why this issue is now hitting the headlines is it has become another unexpected consequence of COVID. Probate is the legal document you need when someone dies, so their affairs can be sorted out. 
The government guidelines say probate application should take up to 16 weeks, but that timescale is arbitrary. What could be done in, let's say, 10 days prior to the pandemic is now in certain cases taking up to two years. What we need to understand is when someone dies, until probate is granted, bank accounts will be frozen and other assets such as investments and properties can't be sold. Properties can be marketed, but infrequently, sales are falling through because probate has not been granted. We might have to wait for probate, but the taxman doesn't. He has to be paid within six months, which is obviously difficult if everything has been frozen and there is no cash to pay the tax. If the estate has assets, the deceased bank might come to the rescue, but that rescue comes at a heavy price. The money to pay the tax bill will be lent at commercial rates, but if HMRC are not paid on time, they are currently charging 7.75% interest on late payments. So the longer the process, the probate process, that's not that easy to say, Howard, takes, the more interest the estate pays, either to the bank or to the taxman. James, good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Howard. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Well, what Rob described was a UK problem. So why should this concern our French resident listeners? Uh, well, the majority of people I know, whether clients or friends, still have assets in the UK, so they'll still be subject to UK rules. As Rob just covered, if, if they pass away without a UK will, even as a non-UK resident, their UK estate will be dealt with under the interstate rules. One important thing to note if you already have a UK will but subsequently do a French will is that the new one can annul previously written wills as they tend to say something along the lines of this is my last will and testament. It's therefore important that any UK and French will cross-refer to each other acknowledging each other's existence and validity so the UK intestacy rules are not applied. I suppose the best way to to highlight how UK rules can impact French residents is with a real-life example. Rob's just highlighted the fact that it can take two years to get probate, but the taxman needs paying within six months. I'm currently helping a client that has this exact situation. Her and her husband kept their finances separate, with her being my client and all her assets outside of the UK, whilst her deceased husband kept his pension investments in the UK as well as the property. So unfortunately, he's now passed away and she now needs to get probate, but this is taking a long time and we're getting very close to the deadline to pay the inheritance tax. As she hasn't got probate, her husband's assets are effectively frozen, so she can't use them to pay the bill. She's now having to make the decision between borrowing money from the bank at eye-watering interest rate, which she doesn't know when will be replayed, or to take funds from her own assets, which, which would disrupt the tax planning we've already put in place for her. Either way, whichever route she chooses, the inheritance she'll now receive from her late husband's estate will be reduced. Well, what are the tax implications when a French resident receives a UK inheritance? UK residents can make uh, gifts with which are potentially tax-free. These are known as pets, or, or short for potentially exempt transfers. If we have not lived in France for more than six out of the previous ten tax years, we can actually receive gifts from overseas, which still in- includes the UK following Brexit, with no liability to French gift tax. And that's to the UK, or that's thanks to really to the UK France double tax treaty. That type of gift doesn't need to be formally declared to the French tax authorities. If we receive an inheritance from a UK domicile person and our inheritance doesn't include any French assets, there are no French succession tax implications. 
In this situation, no French succession tax is payable because the deceased estate is subject to UK inheritance tax and due to the France-UK double tax treaty, the taxing point is in the UK. So what are the tax differences between France and the UK? In the UK, inheritance tax is calculated on a whole estate and the tax bill is paid by our estate before our beneficiaries even see a penny of it. Spouses are exempt from inheritance tax, but otherwise it makes no difference who the beneficiaries are. After our nil rate allowance, which has been frozen at £325,000 since April 2009 and will remain frozen until 2028, a flat rate tax of 40% is paid. In 2017, the UK also introduced an additional allowance called the Residential Nil Rate Band. It currently stands at £175,000 and it's also been frozen at that level until 2028. This allowance was designed to benefit families, but there are limitations. It only applies to UK residential property, which the deceased previously lived in and is being directly inherited by that person's descendants. The residential nil rate band, as it were, um, starts to taper away for estates worth over £2 million and it doesn't apply to estates more than £2.35 million. Whereas in France, there's no succession tax between spouses and PAX partners, although unlike the UK, gifts between spouses are liable to French gift tax. French succession tax is calculated on and paid by each individual beneficiary. Everyone we leave assets to will have to personally pay French succession tax based on what they receive. The rates and allowances vary according to who the beneficiaries are and the immediate family being much better off than distant or non-relatives. Children pay tax at progressive tax rates starting at 5% and increasing to 45% after their personal allowance of €100,000. At the other end of the scale, beneficiaries who have no blood relationship to us will pay a fixed tax rate of 60% after an allowance of only €1,594. This is obviously a major consideration for non-relatives, which importantly includes unmarried partners and stepchildren. If you, have an adult chi- if you have an adult child from a previous relationship, they're often not thought of as your spouse's stepchildren. But if assets are left to your spouse, who then passes them on to your children, when he or she dies, they'll incur a 60% succession tax bill because they are not children from the bloodline of the deceased. So they don't benefit from the €100,000 allowance and they will have to pay the 60% tax on their inheritance. What happens to your finances post-death is something that can become very complex, even with the simplest of family setups. It should be high on everyone's to-do list to figure out what they want to happen to their estate, what your options are, and then to implement the best solution. I'm sorry to be so morbid on a Sunday morning, Howard, but our time could be up at any moment, and this is something that can't be dealt with once you're gone. So, Rob, just to clarify, should we have separate UK and French wills? Um, EU succession regulations govern the laws that apply to an individual's estate. The default position is the law where we are resident is a law that applies. For UK residents, UK law applies, but for immovable foreign assets, the law of the country where those assets are situated applies. French property is subject to French law, so a portion is therefore reserved for children, and a surviving spouse cannot inherit absolutely. Now, we can elect to use Brussels 4, But since October 2021, if our wishes don't respect French succession law, our kids can claim their entitlement to our French assets, whatever our wishes are or whatever our will says. Where there is an election for UK law to apply, 
the notary needs a grant of probate to confirm the, the executor's authority to deal with those assets. If we have separate French wills, which, which deal with French access, a grant of probate is not required, but there will be additional legal procedures, which will also mean increased legal costs. To remove element of doubt, it's usually prudent to have a local will where we own or hold assets. Is it possible to have a single UK will to cover worldwide assets? Yes, it is, but it needs to be very carefully drafted so it's valid and watertight in each jurisdiction. As we said at the top of the programme, lots of listeners posted questions about intestacy and wills. So what are your top tips? <laughs> top tips? Uh, where do I start? Uh, having a will is our opportunity to, to express our specific wishes for our assets when we die. There are lots of misconceptions, but the, the simple fact is lots of us don't think about a will either because we don't want to face the reality of, of death or because we have a misunderstanding of what will happen to our estate when we actually do die. In fact, a badly drafted will could actually be worse than no will at all, so it's important to get it right. We need to keep our will in a safe place, preferably with details of the estimated value of our assets and where they can be found. This will certainly help our executors. One of the most expensive parts of, of estate administration is forensic investigations trying to find assets, so signposting can mitigate that big issue. It's horrible to think about it, but it's important to think outside our immediate family. We could all be travelling in the same car and there's an accident. We need to sign a UK will in the presence of two independent witnesses and don't forget to sign it. So many people draft a will but then forget to sign it, which means it's not worth the paper it was written on. When we have a pension, we will have been asked to nominate beneficiaries. That's usually at the outset, maybe when we jo first joined a firm. Keeping those nominations up to date is really, really important because the scheme's trustees will pass our pension savings to who we nominated which all too frequently can be an ex-spouse. Getting remarried invalidates previous wills and stepchildren who have not been formally adopted are not legitimate heirs. The surviving partner in an unmarried couple, as, uh, as James alluded to, is not legally entitled to anything. So in this situation, they have to make a claim under the 1975 Act for the provision of family and dependents, which legally can get very expensive quite quickly. So in summary, Howard, Wherever your assets are located, my top tip, as you call it, is plan in advance. Your testing wishes will then be achieved, tax will be minimised and you will avoid family squabbles, which certainly from a French perspective can go on for potentially 30 years. If you'd like to discuss your succession planning or explore if you can improve your cross-border finances, speak to one of our Blevins Franks partners by calling 0493 00 that's 0493-001780. Alternatively, you can also call our Monaco office. And the number here in Monaco is 97775574. That's 97775574. And if you'd like to know more about Blevins Franks, or you actually want to book a place at one of our spring seminars, you can contact us via the website, which is very simply www.blevinsfranks.com. Many thanks, Rob. Always interesting. We'll talk next Sunday. Thank you very much, Howard. Have a great week. 
the Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or Riviera at BlevinsFranks.com. It's time to review your financial planning for 2024. Are you paying too much tax on your investment income? What does retaining UK assets mean for tax? Are your savings protected from inflation? Will the UK pension reforms affect you? Will your estate planning achieve your wishes? Blevins Franks specialises in holistic financial planning and can help with all these concerns and more. Contact Blevins Franks today for a consultation. Visit blevinsfranks.com.